Hello Bulls fans and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I am MK, he's WG and we are the HQ edition of the CHGO Bulls podcast. William, how are you my friend? I like that intro, that was good. Yeah, Where'd that come from? Just workshopping it. Kicking it around. Not off the top. I like it. I like <laughs> hey, it. Man, and I'm right? good. I'm uh we're we're recording this as the uh the heat game is coming to an end here. Wanted to potentially wait until the end of what we hoped would have been a competitive game five, but not looking good for no. Miami. A game six nah. potentially in the works. But I think it's a good mm. uh jumping off point to talk about the offseason a little bit. Obviously. This is a Bulls podcast. We're going to talk about the Bulls, but we've got these two teams that are succeeding at a really high level that are probably also going to be making some changes, win or lose for this series. So I thought it was a good time to sort of kick that conversation around. Definitely, definitely. And with what the Heat are doing, I guess we can talk about uh, the parity of the league and maybe that's playing its part in um, the Heat being able to do what they've been able to do, I suppose, in some senses, but also given what the, the Celtics is doing as well and how much there's been so much conversation around what their offseason may or may not look like. Now, obviously, if they continue windy, uh, winning, maybe that, you know, the, the previous conversation changes, but at least in the lead up to this week, a lot of the conversation has been around splitting up Jalen Brown and, and uh, Jason Tatum and those sorts of things and bringing it back home to, to the Bulls. Like, I mean, if, if the Celtics had to blow things up <laughs> and separate Tatum and, uh, and Tatum and Brown, like, how could the Bulls sort of justify running it all back? So, those are the things that we're going to get on uh, to discuss today of course a bunch of other things but um let's, let's start with the the uh the first topic and this is probably around more more so around standing pat and the idea of, of parity and and maybe at least is there actually credence to it William? is there maybe i don't know let's ask let's ask the question maybe you give me so <laughs> well uh i posted a solicitation for mailbag questions earlier this week and i got a good one from sincerest flat on twitter um and he asks with the parity level of the current nba do you think running it back but getting some shooting could lead to a playoff berth next season um and i think that's kind of the the spot that we're all operating from right like we think based on the sentiment coming out of the exit interviews that we're not going to see any major changes again, who knows what's going to happen, but that is kind of the sentiment that Arturis was pushing coming out of that press conference um, that they were going to kind of keep it together and bring things back. And I think before you can even really look into that question, you first have to say, or at least, um, you know, make the point that just bringing it back and then also adding a shooter is going to be a difficult thing to do. We've talked about it. A lot, And I think if you run the numbers and kind of make the projections, um, thinking like as optimistically as you could, bringing back Vooch at a reasonable number, bringing back Kobe, bringing back Io, bringing back your guys, and then also being able to use the full mid-level exception, which we're not sure they're going to have all that space. We're not sure they're going to be able to use it without going to the tax. We know they're not going to go to the tax. But optimistically speaking, if they have that full mid-level exception to use to go out and get a shooter, and a point guard, which I think we can all agree are the two main areas of need and weakness on this team. Um, how much can you really get with that? I mean, it's going to be like 11.2, 11.4 million bucks. Uh, other teams are going to have that same amount of money. Other teams are better. Do the Bulls really have like a competitive offer that they can make for 
a difference maker? Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. And I think that's kind of the question that you need to ask before you can even talk about next season, because if the goal is to run it back and, and try to improve on what you had and Patrick Beverly is not part of those plans, or maybe he's the guy you bring back with a mid-level, um, unless you are trying to improve on that group, like what, what are we really doing here? Um, so I think yeah. that's the question that you kind of have to ask first is like, can they even do that? And then once you sort of have some options um, or you feel confident that you can bring someone in, then you can start to think about, can they make the playoffs? Uh, I think if, if you get to that point where you have, you have the ability to bring in a point guard and or a shooter, I still think it's an uphill battle. I still think you end up in the play-in range. And I don't know what you would say about that, but I think even the play-in is, is going to be a challenge. I mean, they were the 10th seed this year. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back to, to Claire's question at Sincere's flat on Twitter. So I don't think Claire's question was over the top in any sense. Like it was very, I think it was a level-headed take in the sense that basically the question is with the level of parity in the NBA, do you think running it back with some shooting could lead to a playoff berth next season? So it's not saying... You know, could they make a, a run like the Heat have where they've, they've reached Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference Finals, potentially even going further? Players not even noting, like, can they win a playoff round? It's like, could, could they just make it back to the postseason? So I think that, to me at least, is possible if you're prepared to actually use the available assets that you do have available to you. Now, as we've noted here on the podcast for a number of months now, the issue with that is that using these available assets will likely push the balls into a tax situation where this ownership group has just never really entertained. So can they do it? Yes. I think I think I do think the Bulls can put together a team around Demar, Zach, and Vooch running it back, whereby you can be a playoff team next season. I don't know it would be a guaranteed playoff team. Like would it be a fifth or sixth seed? Maybe. Like absolute high end scenario, potentially. But I, I do do agree with you where it'd probably be more likely to be in a playing scenario, but is it the seventh and eight, seventh or eighth team in that playing scenario versus just hanging on to being that 10th seed, which the Bulls were? Now, they were fortunate that the Wizards and the Pacers and these sorts of teams sort of gave up towards the end. But even though the Bulls made it as the 10th seed, it's not like they were locked in there for a while and they separated themselves from that bottom four team. And oh, four teams, rather, and to your point, like and what you're sort of hitting on, like there are teams coming up from the bottom now, like the Magic, like the Pacers, who knows what um, some of these other teams might be doing in the offseason that may change that uh, calculus a little bit as well. So it's not guaranteed that even if the, the the Bulls were to do some stuff that they would be still a playing team, which I think is the point that you were getting to. But um, I think it, I do think there is a scenario whereby if they use their full mid-level exception, if they can get back in the draft or even if they get more creative and start trading some of these other guys whoever they may be, um, I think there is a chance that they could be a playoff team. Now, would they do anything of note in the playoffs? Probably not. But I, I do think there is scope to get back into the playoffs. It's just going to cost you something to do so. And are they prepared to do that? I guess probably not. So I think just going back to the original point that I wanted to make, like I think I've gotten a lot of questions, these mailbags, people are asking me on Twitter. And mm -hmm. I guess like the point that I wanted to be clear about is like, there's no guarantee that like, you can even bring in more talent. People are asking what free agent could they go sign? Who could they trade? And it's like, in order for a lot of these trades to be made in order for a lot of these free agents, potential free agents to be signed, 
you need to make room in other ways because as currently constructed, if you want to bring back the team as is, you can't really do that. You can't have it both ways. So I, I think that was kind of the, the first point that I wanted to make. And then on top of it, you mentioned, you know, where can they end up? And I think like fifth or sixth seed is not unreasonable, but the magic uh, during like the heart of the season, I think they started like five and 19 or something. Markel Fultz was out. They were just a disaster to start the year. And then they tanked the last five games, lost them all during the middle of the season, 29 and 24. Okay. They're adding the sixth pick, the 11th pick. Markel Fultz is young. Franz Wagner is young. Paolo Bancaro just won rookie of the year. Like they're on the up. The Pacers, 500 team with Halliburton playing. He missed a bunch of time. They were ahead of the Bulls before Halliburton got hurt. They're, they've got Matherin, who's going to get a lot better. They're bringing in the seventh pick, who hopefully can contribute for them. Um, Halliburton himself should get a lot better. I mean, he's 23. You've got the Pistons, who have Cade Cunningham coming back, who have a year of experience now with Ivy and Duran, who are also going to be bringing in a top five pick next year. Um Again, those were teams that tanked towards the end of the season last year. Um, they were teams that were in the Wembenyama sweepstakes. And guess what? There's no Wembenyama in next year's draft. So I think mm-hmm. that the odds of like all these teams going for the bottom, maybe at the end of the year, things sort of change. And I think the, the Blazers were an extreme example of it, but something like that could happen for teams that feel like they're out of it. But yep. the Hornets have LaMelo and he should be healthy and maybe scoot and like that could be a franchise changing thing like these teams aren't going away everybody else is getting better and they have more internal room for development and we've talked a lot about that for the bulls there aren't a lot of ways that they can really do that and so i don't think it's a guarantee that you even end up in the play and i think it's possible you don't know what happens with the raptors they could blow it up you don't know what happens with the nets they're kind of in flux right now mm-hmm. there are teams going both directions but i think we're in a competitive landscape here where most if not all these teams are actually going to be going for the play in and the Bulls are going to be one of those teams. And they've got some high-end talent in Damar and Zach and Vooch and all these guys. Um, but let's not forget that they were the 12th seed until the Pacers and Wizards started tanking. And let's not forget all these other up-and-coming teams that have real potential to take big steps forward. And the fact that you still have the Celtics, the Heat, the 76ers, the Cavs, the Knicks, um, whoever else I'm missing that are in front of them and who beat them last year, the Hawks another example. Um, so I don't think there's any guarantee that they're going to be in the playoffs, certainly, but even in the play in, I think that's not necessarily a guarantee. And especially if you're not able to add anybody or the people that you're adding aren't real difference makers at that level. If you're competing with some of these other teams for their services, it's not really a guarantee. And I feel like if that's a serious question that we're asking ourselves right now, can they even make the play in next year? It's like, what are we talking about here? Like, what are we doing? And what does this tell you about the Bulls' aspirations? Uh, we've talked about that. Yeah. And I don't know that we need to go deep into it here, but like, what are we doing if like making the play in is the goal? 100%. 100%. So that, that is definitely, I mean, the ethos and strategy of the team, if that is just all they're willing to commit to, like, that is obviously concerning. And if that is just what they're trying to do more generally, then there's, in some senses, I just question why we bother even talking about this team. If that's the case, why do we bother supporting this team? All that sort of stuff. If that's the limitations that they're, they're applying them to themselves. But just even parking that for the moment and just this idea whereby even if they 
were to add someone to the roster, whether they like, let's say they're willing to pay the tax and use the mid-level exception, bring everyone back. To your point, like that team isn't guaranteed to be a playoff time playoff team. I, I think it, in, in some realities, maybe it could be, but equally. In, in some realities, maybe it's not. I, now, yeah, I still think they're in the range of teams that could make it up to six, but yeah, yeah. that's not a guarantee. And I think that's... No, no, but point. 100%. And that's, and that's why where your question around like, okay, cool. Even if you were to do all these things and you still can't guarantee yourself a play-in or playoff position, and then you ultimately ended up in that playing range or potentially even worse. You're not trying to tank or you're not trying to be bad, but you're just organically letting that happen. And like that, that pertains to you. Like the point that you raised there before, where about what, what are we even doing here? Why are we having serious questions around what this team can or can't be? If just organically you're getting lapped by the field, the field, because they've just got more, they've got more moves to play or they're more prepared to make certain moves than maybe what, than what your organization is or isn't willing to do. So I mean, what does that tell us about the Bulls' aspirations? I kind of feel like Jerry Runs has already told us what his what his plans are for this team a few weeks ago when he was doing that ridiculous press conference around whatever it was that nonsense, um, where he was speaking at some conference about you know what do fans want and the new age the new age way to be an owner or whatever it was. Uh, he he kind of told us what his aspiration is from a team, uh, like the, the teams that he owns anyway. So yeah, I guess we're talking about the same stuff often and. I'm trying to just park the limitations that are on this team for the moment and just have a theoretical conversation because I guess we always have, always have to preface these types of things with here's what they could do, here's what they think they will do because they're two very different scenarios because what they could do makes no sense or has no bearing on what they actually will do if for whatever reason the uh, the limitations that's, uh, or the constraints that are applied by ownership if they are to be applied this offseason, which we think they will, then what they could do becomes irrelevant. And uh, to your point, maybe organically, they just end up being towards the bottom of the East because of these teams that are behind them currently will just go past them. Yeah, and I always say, like, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. And I think that is a mm-hmm. real possibility here. Um, and I think it brings up questions about where the Bulls are relative to the rest of the league um, as far as trade chips and, like, could they go that direction? What ammunition do they have to go one way or the other. And I think the reason that we're talking about this in terms of taking a step back is because the ammunition to go more in doesn't appear to be there. I mean, there are ways to do it. You you invest in more future picks. Uh, you get off Lonzo's contract somehow, whether it's a trade or a disabled player exception, and you try to recoup um, that that roster spot, that dead salary in some other way. There are ways to do it, but I think the the question is like, at this point, is it worth it given what we've seen? Um, and yeah, I mean, I we have our opinions about that. I think we've made them pretty clear, but I think it's, as I've uh, tortured myself with thinking about this over the last few weeks, it just like, it makes me feel like there's no way they're not going to do something. Like it, it would just be unfathomable to not do anything, especially as we see in these playoffs, the rest of these teams in the East, you mentioned the Celtics and we'll, we'll get to it all, but like they're, they're just, I, I can't actually believe that they're going to do nothing. It would be so, I, I don't know, maybe I'm like overthinking it, but it just, it seems crazy to me that they wouldn't do anything given where they are relative to the rest of the league. 
Well, we're definitely going to hit that on segment two. We're going to talk about the um, where, where the league is heading more generally in the trade market and those sorts of things. But I'm going to be the cold water to that theory because I've got something... I've got a thought in, bubbling away in my head as well. You've been doing some thinking about them maybe having to do something. Like you just can't continue to run it back. But I've got a thought on why uh, what's happening in the NBA at large might, might just uh, influence the decision to do nothing even further. So uh, we'll touch on that in segment two. But before we do that, Will, can Great. you tell everyone about FUBU TV? Fubo TV. Fubo Fubo TV. Wow, we've both butchered the name. It is Fubo TV, F-U-B-O-T-V. And it has 140 plus live channels of sports shows, movies, and news. And guess what? You can stream it anywhere live from any device. That means you're watching the most Chicago sports for the lowest price. And you can start watching immediately with a seven-day free trial. There's no contract, no cables, no hassle. You just sign up and start watching. And you've got a thousand hours of cloud DVR included with no extra charge. That means rewatching all 84 of the Bulls games from this year, maybe even some preseason games if you're a real freak show like me. But guess what? You can do it while you travel. You can watch Summer League Bulls, which will happen in about a month, month and a half. They've got the NBA draft coming up. Obviously, the NHL draft, the, the Hawks are getting their guy with the number one pick. But there's a bunch of other sports, whether it's the NBA Finals, which should, which will start uh, a week from today recording this, a week from yesterday, if you're listening to this on Friday. Um, you've got the WNBA. You've got Cubs on Marquee and Sox on NBC Sports. So if you want to watch any of those teams, check out Fubo TV. Use the link in the description to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. Very good. And something you certainly can't butcher is our friends over at Goose Island Beer Company because that sweet, sweet golden nectar that you put down your throat, that thing is just absolutely <laughs> perfect. <nectar. laughs> so uh, if you're not aware, friends, Goose Island Beer Company has been Chicago's beer since 1988. And of course, that beer roster, perfection. The Goose IPA, the six-time medal winner, absolutely leading the bunch. But you've also got things like the Tropical Beer Hug, the 312 Wheat Ale, uh, the Full Pocket Pills, the Matilda... I really want to get, I'm, I'm lamenting as we're going through these days, William, it's been two months since I've been in Chicago now. I'm, I'm starting, I really want to get back now and just so, and, and mostly like I, part of it so I can see you again, see Matt and Dave and all my friends. Part but of look, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not lying or I, I am lying by saying it's the primary reason would be go going there to see you guys. The reason I actually want to go back is to get down to the Goose Island beer tap rooms to have some events there and just meet a whole bunch of other deep, uh, Bulls fans. So if you if you want to get down to the club and Avenue uh, tap room on in Lincoln Park, or maybe you want to get down to the uh, the establishment there on Fulton Street in West Town, if you want to drink beers with your mates and do so responsibly, head over there to our friends at Goose Island and uh, get one of these beers down your throat. So um, I certainly recommend it, friends. But um, let's continue on, Will. Let's talk... Let's talk the trademark trade market landscape. Let's talk about the Bulls' decision making more generally. And and where I've been thinking about this is just all these other teams. To your point, like are seemingly going to be making some holistic changes, whether that's in their coaching department. As we've seen, like there's all these teams that are exiting the playoffs and firing their coaches. The Bulls are seemingly not doing that. But as these teams are exiting the playoffs, there's going to be a series of changes of those for those teams coming from a player personnel perspective. We've already seen that with the likes of the Suns going in for Kevin Durant. 
It would, you would assume the Milwaukee Bucks are going to do something notable. We'll see what happens with the Sixers, with the whole Harden thing. Um, I touched on it at the top there. Like, We'll see what happens with the Celtics and how they conclude this series. But everyone has been talking about this need to break up Jalen Brown and and uh, and Jason Tatum. Like, If the top of the league is prepared to do this, then shouldn't that be affecting a team like the Bulls who are nowhere near the top? And if those teams like those teams are prepared to... If the teams that are actually matter are prepared to make these holistic teams, then why don't those teams that don't matter like the Bulls, why aren't they prepared to do that? So let's talk about all that sort of stuff. But um, I know you wanted to reference a, an article that uh, John Hollinger wrote today. So maybe we start there. Yeah. So I think this is important to talk about just because I think when you look at it from a fan perspective or from uh, covering a one single team perspective, it's easy to get lost in the weeds here. But if you're talking about making a big trade for Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan, what you have to do is think about what other teams in the league might be willing to give up. And you can't just say like the Bulls should get rid of Zach for three picks. Like it doesn't work that way. And I think this article from John Hollinger this morning at the athletic kind of outlined why that might be even less likely than it was last summer or in the summer before. Um, Obviously we saw a big trade at the deadline with uh, three or four firsts going back to uh, Brooklyn in exchange for Kevin Durant. So, they do happen, but the Bulls don't have a Kevin Durant. And I think um, Hollinger kind of outlined the fact that some of these teams who still do have remaining picks, and there aren't very many, are starting to see that the Timberwolves and the Hawks are like starting to pay the piper with the amount of picks that they've given up, the lack of flexibility they have to now go out and make future moves. And we've even seen it with Vucevic to a certain extent, the Bulls giving up two picks and then obviously a third for DeMar that's put them in a position where they haven't been able to make other moves to add. So I think this is a really interesting thought from Hollinger, just looking at it in the the rest of the landscape of the league. But there's a couple of uh, notes that I wanted to bring up and get your take on. So he says, how can trades happen if nobody can make a deal? The three teams that should be selling, Portland, Chicago, and Washington, insist on buying, and the bad teams have nothing good teams want. But the biggest obstacle to trades this offseason by far is that a number of teams that otherwise would be dealing like crazy have choked off all their options. And that's, like I said, getting back to this idea that there are just so few teams in the league right now that have, you know, three future first round picks that they can deal. I think um, Mm -hmm. nine teams he notes in his article have already made uh, trades that involve multiple future first round picks. Um, And at the combine here in Chicago last week, uh, one of the few times over the course of the year where all the teams and and executives are getting together, they have the GMs meeting um, a lot of chatter around the league. He said some execs at this year's NBA draft combine wondered if we've seen the last of teams putting multiple unprotected picks in circulation that we, the way that we've seen over the last few years, even in trades for stars. One reason you might see the pendulum swing back that way is so many teams are about to pay the piper for their recent excesses. All we've seen so far from these trades is the raging party, but we're about to get the hangover. Um, And I thought that was really interesting because it kind of calls into question whether, like I said, the Bulls are going to be able to get back a big haul Mm -hmm. for a Zach Levine. I think, you know, I've tried to temper my expectations in terms of what the the Bulls might get back. We've seen this in the past with like the Celtics getting all of the picks for 40-year-old Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce back in 2013 or whenever it was, and that totally screwing the Nets for five years and giving the 
Celtics the ability to not only make the conference finals with, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder and, and those groups, but then also get Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and, uh, and Jason Tatum to come in. And there was a, a long period there after that where teams stopped making moves. And I think what Hollinger is trying to say is that we might be revisiting that point in time. And so, especially with this new collective bargaining agreement, making it difficult for teams to aggregate salaries, making it difficult for teams to exceed the second apron, does it make it even less likely that the Bulls are able to make a big swing, um, especially with now very few teams having multiple tricks to multiple picks to trade? Um, yeah. And the fact that, you know, there are maybe only three teams, like he's saying, with Portland, Chicago, and Washington as sellers. But if no players are available, maybe those teams get desperate and, and trade those picks because there's even fewer options. Like it is a seller's market at this point. There are not a lot of stars that will be available, um, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of teams that want those stars. So I could see it going either way, but I, I tend to think you might be leaning that it would be the former. Well, I mean, I, I, I th- that's my general thinking, but then all it takes is one star to say something like, I want out, and then... The market and that's the thing that the league and the market will never be able to control, right? Is yeah, a player so, demanding out. Yeah, so I, I, I'm trying to caution my thinking with that. Like, as an example, let's play a scenario. Harden leaves Philadelphia. Um, he heads back to Houston. Joel Embiid probably won't do this, but let's let's, just, let's imagine a scenario where he, he demands a trade. Like, that completely changes the landscape of what we're discussing here or, or the general landscape for most teams. Now, if, if someone like Embiid, like the MVP, demands a trade, then that changes everything. And I think in that instance, you still have teams prepared to to give up whatever whatever's everything. required to, to, everything to get someone like Embiid. Yeah, and the Knicks are probably one of those teams, which is why I'm in the business of wanting to trade Zach as soon as I can not because I don't think Zach's a good player, but because I think to the point of what you're discussing here, if things do start to dry up, then let's maximize that value now before there's even less teams with picks outgoing. But having said all that, I think if the right player comes up, I think teams are prepared to do these crazy deals. But the point that you raised there that I was going to note before, which I teased before the ad break, the thing hanging over all of this is the new CBA coming through. And the fact that you can't necessarily trade for future first round picks if you are a team above the second apron or you, there's, there's so many punitive restrictions that are coming through for these teams who would typically make these all-in splashy moves like we just saw with the Kevin Durant trade. That type of trade for a team that's so far over that second apron, that's going to disappear. So whereby I was sort of alluding to the fact that where I think the balls will be benefactors by everything that's going on around them, they could eventually just decide to not do anything, keep the same team as is. And because of the sweeping changes that are having to that are happening to the CBA, which are going to impact those teams that have been actively trying, that have been actively making all these moves like trading picks, going deep into the luxury tax to to put on to you know to put put uh, to put together the best possible team. Like if those sorts of restrictions are applied and those teams start to, to come back from that and are not willing to go all in from that perspective, then what that does is that brings those teams back towards the Bulls' 
you know, section of teams. That 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 cloud of that middle pack of teams, I guess, will just become a lot bigger than what it maybe previously had been. So from that standpoint, by the balls not doing nothing, maybe them not doing anything will be very favorable to them from that point of view. So I wonder if some of these big teams that have been trying to actually get it done, they stop doing that because the CBA, you know, the new CBA rules are going to be just so ridiculous that they're not prepared to do that. And in doing so, ultimately the balls are a winner because of that, because all these teams come back to that level of playing field, if that makes sense. So in that, if that were to if that were to transpire and happen that way, and teams like the Celtics or whomever it may be need to trade away certain players because they just can't they just can't sustain that payroll, or the Warriors, whoever it may be, the Clippers. Uh, now maybe their owners just decide to continue paying that ridiculous amount of money in the in the new CBA, um, and get or not have those same luxuries that they currently have under the current uh, the current CBA versus the proposed CBA. Like you, you can't use the tax tax level mid level exception, or the taxpayer mid level exception if you're one of those teams that are above the second apron. Now that's pretty critical for a team like the Celtics or like the Bucks or whoever it may be, like the Nuggets for example. Like they got Bruce Brown by using that taxpayer mid level exception. That won't be a thing that exists um, going forward. So does a player like Bruce Brown, rather than signing in Denver or or Golden State or Boston or wherever? Is that type of player now more amenable to the idea of signing with the with the Bulls as an example? So, from that point of view, it does change things, which I think potentially could embolden their plan of keeping everything together and keeping it all, you know, running it back type thing. Like as Claire was sort of wondering before, I think there's this new CBA change, and actually it kind of, it kind of makes it more beneficial for those types of owners who don't want to pay the tax. Yeah, I think that's right, but I also think it could go the other way too, right? Like. Basically, my read on this, and it's I, I'm not a cap junkie. I don't know like all the ins and outs. But if you're a team that's over the second apron, and I believe that second apron right now is set at about seventeen and a half million over the luxury tax. So if the luxury tax is one sixty four, is that right? Then you know it'd be almost twenty over that. So like one eighty, basically. Um, I'm not sure how many teams are over that right now. I would venture to guess that it's probably just the Warriors and the Clippers. Maybe a couple others, uh, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Suns should be around there as well. Those teams aren't going to just like give guys up to stay below the second apron. It is basically a hard cap, but I think it's going to prevent teams from going into that. If you're like a true contender now, I think it's going to be hard to just like wipe contracts off your books because it's difficult to aggregate salaries. I think in the long term, it probably affects free agents more than it affects trades just in the sense that like teams aren't going to protect the asset to stay over the cap. And I think that's where like the bulls aren't really at an advantage because if the only way that this is affecting players is that they end up going into free agency and the bulls are above the cap, they can't sign anybody. Maybe they're able to use that mid-level. I'm not sure what the um, restrictions or penalties would be on teams that go over the luxury tax, but not the first apron or over the first apron, but not up to the second apron. Like I think you're to your point, they are trying to sort of spread um, and smooth this out so that like the middle class is bigger and there's maybe a few extremes on the top and there's a few extremes at the bottom, but for the most part, the bulls are going to be in that middle of the pack. And maybe that allows them to go out and sign somebody to the mid-level exception. Um, but that's pretty much 
the extent of their resources given where they are right now. And other teams are also going to have those resources. I also think that this is going to be one of the last opportunities for teams that don't give a shit about going into the separate second apron and who knows how many, if any, there are. But this is going to be their last chance to be able to go out and say, all right, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned the Warriors, so I'm thinking about them now, but like, let's say they wanted to trade for Zach Levine. I don't think that's actually the case. But you can't, if you're over the second apron, go, all right, Jordan Poole, you're making 24, and uh, Kuminga, you're making nine. Let's aggregate those two salaries, and it'll get up to 35, and maybe that's within 110% of what Zach Levine's making, and we can make that swap. Those numbers are not exactly right, but just as a example, the Warriors wouldn't be allowed to do that in two years because they'd be over the second apron. So if they want to get another max contract in there, they would have to do it now. And I think that's where the Bulls can strike. Obviously, the Warriors have picks and all that stuff. Um, I don't think Zach would be a fit there. I don't think that's actually happening. But just as a example, I think this is going to be sort of the last opportunity. And teams are going to have to do their due diligence. I don't expect any major moves to be made before draft night, honestly, because I, I think teams just don't want to be the first to make a move. Um, but at the same time, you do have all these teams that are positioned to make trades, whether it's that they've accumulated assets or are desperate to make trades because they've already dished out assets and they've kind of committed to a lane that maybe they're now realizing they're not good enough for. So like the Hawks, for example, have traded three picks and a swap for DeJounte Murray. They made the play in got up to the seventh seed, but like that's probably not good enough for what they are trying to do. They have new ownership, um, new front office is in, new head coach. Like They're going to want to make moves, and they're a better team than the Bulls. How can the Bulls justify not making moves if the teams just in front of them are? Same with the Knicks. They had a great season, super successful, made the second round, obviously sort of fizzled out there against the Heat, but they've got a bunch of picks coming in from other teams. They made a trade for Josh Hart. They've got a lot of money that they can consolidate. They're probably going to make a big move here. And I think they need to do it before things get too expensive. And the way that they've got declining salary on Jalen Brunson and um, Julius Randle allows them to do that. You've got the Suns who just traded for Durant. Obviously, they've got super high-end talent. Um, they are out picks, but like they're going to move Aiden. They're probably going to move Chris Paul. Like If those things happen... They're trying to get better. They're trying to add depth around those two guys, the Lakers. You really think LeBron is going to retire? He is threatening them and making them, putting pressure on them to use that 2029 pick and the 17th pick in this draft to try to go out and get a guy that can help him so he's not playing 48 minutes and having to create every shot at age 39. Um, You really think if Miami loses this series in seven games, they're not going to try to bring somebody in? The Wizards just hired a new vice president of basketball operations. Mm -hmm. They're going to do something. Like the Wolves have to figure out a way to, at the very least, you know, dampen and decrease the value of all the picks they just gave up to the Jazz. The Mavs are kind of screwed right now with only Luka and nothing else. They're going to have to do something with that 10th pick at the very least. The Clippers, mm-hmm. same. The Nets, they've got all these picks now. They've got Mikel Bridges and a bunch of 3 and D wings. Like they're probably going to do something. I mentioned the Hawks and Warriors. Like all these teams are still in the market for star players. Maybe that makes Caruso and DeMar DeRozan more valuable because they're not on max contracts. Maybe it makes somebody desperate for a 27, 28-year-old all-star who is on a max contract but under contract for four years. So I do think the Bulls are still in a position if the market dictates dictates it 
But obviously, to your point, like there are going to be complications. And I think that's why this summer is going to be so interesting because it's really the last chance teams have to get their house in order before the second apron and the rest of the CBA kicks in. Yeah, 100%. And the same will be true with the Nuggets. Like I expect the Nuggets to go on and win a title, but I mean, that ownership group isn't renowned for paying a lot of dollars in terms of tax. But they're doing it now. They're doing it now, but will they continue to do it in future years? Now, maybe they will for a period of time if they do win the championship, but Jamal Murray is going to be worth a massive, massive extension. Uh, Jokic is already on the biggest possible extension already. Aaron Gordon will want a new deal. Like I said, like they'll, they'll probably be priced out of Bruce Brown as soon as this offseason coming up. Now, what this CBA is designed to do is to create more parity. Now, in the event that there is more parity, it, that what what will ultimately happen is there'll be there'll be more teams willing to talk themselves into the fact that okay we're one move away from maybe separating exactly from exactly from this parity. So I still do think there are chances where there are teams willing to be buyers wanting to take a swing on someone like Zach or Demar or whomever it might be Caruso. Um, now are the costs of that will the cost of doing that change yes it will probably will change because you won't see those four four trades plus all the swap type deals because some of these teams would just won't be allowed to do that going forward so your point on that is definitely noted um but i think i still think there will be massive deals to be had so on that point like around the balls players worth and those sorts of things i still think there are valuable players on this roster but the timing of it all is going to, to be determining how valuable they are. Like, I think right now, if you trade Zach this offseason, you could probably get three or four first round picks. Are they the same level of first round picks that someone like Kevin Durant's going to uh, convey in a deal? Then no, but could you still get two, three, four first round picks in a deal for Zach? I think if you get that for DeJounte Murray, then you could probably could get it for Zach. Now, if you try to trade Zach in two to three years' time, once this new CBA has been established, some of these teams aren't even like like I said before. Some of these teams won't even be allowed to trade more than three future first round picks. Then at that point, his value does change. So it is an interesting thought exercise because I think what their value is now will definitely change in future years. Just anyway, but based on the CBA changes as well, that is certainly true as well. And I think that's a really important point that I also want to hammer home here, which is that if teams are doing this, thinking two years ahead. The Bulls have to also be thinking two years ahead. And what's going to happen in two years? Mm-hmm. DeMar's contract is going to be up. Lonzo's contract is going to be up. Mm-hmm. Alex Crusoe's contract is going to be up. Vooch, depending on what happens with him this summer, could have his contract be up. He could not be on the Bulls anymore. And so you have to be thinking about this in terms of like where you are. Does that mean you want to be a cap space team going all in on free agents? Maybe. Great. If so, um, maybe you want to keep Zach Levine and, and trade DeMar instead but also maybe haul in some assets so that you can build around them. Because I think the value of draft picks and hitting on draft picks is going to be way more important building homegrown talent because those guys are going to be not only cheap, but also retainable um, because you can exceed obviously the cap in order to resign them. So I think the value of draft picks now also becomes super important and the bulls have to be thinking, where are they going to be in two years with Demar at age 36, if they do resign him, are they actually going to be able to compete with some of these other teams that are still really good, that are still getting better? And if not, then you kind of have to be willing to make some moves now in order to get ahead of this and you know proactively position yourself to be able to be good in two years when other teams are now starting to feel the constraints of this new CBA law. But we can get more into that um, if you want to take a quick 
break with me to talk about our friends at Shady Rays. Well, you, uh, I was hosting today. You, what are you doing here? You're just leading the conversation now. Is that, is that what's Sorry, happening? I went on a rant. I went rogue. No, that's fine. That's, that's, that's all good. I just wanted to put you back in your place. But having said that, you I did. was going to throw to the Shady Rays read anyway. So let me read that, William. <laughs> Now that uh, we've established that. So, uh, friends, if you wanted to uh, take on take on the sun, you want to do it safely, and you want to do that with gear that is built to last, then you certainly need to get yourself a pair of sunglasses from our, our friends at Shady Rays, who have you covered with the best premium polarized shades at an affordable price. So, Shady Rays, if you're not aware, is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any of the expensive pair of glasses that you may or may not, uh, may you may have worn in the past. You may have seen people work, walking around, all this design and brand crap that you pay you know, hundreds of dollars for, sometimes even thousands of dollars for. Why bother doing that, doing that when you can get yourself some durable frames with extremely clear optics whether you're uh, getting around downtown in Chicago, whether you're outdoors, whatever you might be doing, these sun, these sunglasses from Shady Rays have got you covered. And best of all, Shady Rays have you fixed with a lost and broken uh, replacement policy whereby if you walk out of a Shady Rays store or wherever it might be, buy them online, they get delivered, they're broken, uh, maybe you sit on them, whatever the situation may be. Our friends at Shady Rays will hook you up it's with a brand specific. new pair. Uh, <laughs> they're going to do it well whatever whatever the scenario is no questions asked our friends at Shady Rays are going to hook you up with a new pair that's the confidence you get when you buy when you buy your sunnies from Shady Rays so you get them at an affordable price you get the loss and broken policy but uh, you're getting just beautiful looking shades as well that are just as good as the designer brands going around so exclusively for our listeners Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the season go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code CHGO for 50% off all your glasses. The polarized sun is there. Try that out. Over 250,000 people online have given Shady Rays a five-star review. So you can be confident that you're getting an absolute first-class product with our friends over at Shady Rays. And I'm thinking about that, William, another first-class product. Our friends at ComEd have got, have got, have got everyone hooked up as well with the, the uh, Energy Efficiency Program, which is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve. Helping manage energy usage and lower energy uh, bills now and into the future. That's right, Mark, because Comet offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across their territory. Comet offers free facility assessments that can help find energy saving opportunities, like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. Wow. That is truly amazing. Can you tell me how it works? Yeah. So an authorized engineer will work directly with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. And each of those recommendations will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. So if you own a business, don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today for energy-saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. William, did you say comed.com slash poweringbiz? That's right, Mark. Comed.com slash poweringbiz, B-I-Z. Schedule your call today. Definitely do that once you've done listening to us uh, here at CHGO Bulls. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you know, 
hit your boys up with a like. Uh, I'm playing around with uh, the tools here in the production, so Ooh, I've never done that before. Up. So we've got the double thumbs up here from Vooch. Uh, what else we got here? We've got uh, my, my guy, Billy. <laughs> Maybe people won't do that if I'm, I'm putting that up on the screen, but uh, Damar as well. Hit us a like up here on YouTube. If you're listening on Apple, YouTube, uh, on YouTube, obviously the likes. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, whatever it might be, five-star review, friends, surely. Surely William and I have earned that by this stage. But um, let's close the podcast out by um, hitting on uh, another question that you received on in, in your in your mailbag, your latest uh, solicitation of mailbag questions, which touches on, I guess, the broader strategy behind everything, all the things that we've t- talked about before. We got a uh, question in here from at Charlie Burr on Twitter. He said, and I'll, I kind of totally agree with this, but he said, I'm under the impression that the Bulls' initial plan was to wait until 2024 offseason um, before making any major facelifts to the roster. That would be when DeMar's contract expires, when they could p- potentially get a designated player exception for Lonzo. Patrick Williams will be up for an extension, and there will be better free agents available. What do I think? Was this the plan all along? And I think there's some logic here for sure, because if you look at the way that they kind of timed everything up, Damar ends at the end of next season, which is the 2023, 24 Lonzo Caruso end at after next year, which is 2025. Um, you also have the first round pick top 10 protected going out in 2025. So you kind of have an out there where if things didn't go right next year, you know, thinking, from 2021, if things didn't go right in 2024, 25, you have the opportunity to sort of go towards the bottom and, you know, aim to keep that pick that that's outgoing for a year or maybe two um, to sort of retool and reset around Patrick Williams and Zach Levine, who will still be under contract, maybe Dale and Terry and Kobe White as well, depending on what happens with them. So I think that makes sense. And given that, I wonder isn't it just as simple as like starting that rebuild process a year early? I mean, are we like, and this is why I said at the beginning, like, are we overthinking are, are like, is it really a possibility that they won't do anything? I mean, if, if their whole plan was to like give it a run through 2024, maybe they, they just stick to that plan and, and let it ride for another season. But wouldn't it also be just as simple as like, moving on from DeMar, getting something for him and sort of getting started on that 2025 plan a year early. Um, Cause the other thing I can think of is like, are the players just not worth as much as we might think? Like we're talking about three first round picks and we both kind of mentioned, like I'm not expecting necessarily to, for that to be the package, but like, is there just, is there something we're missing here where like they needed to commit to this plan through 2024? for season 2024-25 where they're just not able to get as much and I think it's harder to do so at the trade deadline than it is during the offseason so again maybe we see some stuff this summer but like is it is it that simple well I definitely agree with Charlie's premise that this was meant to be a three to four year window that this is what they're ultimately thinking but the reason the reason that we're trying to do that, and maybe the thing that you haven't noted there in what you just said, was this was meant to be the foundation. So they were going to be using this three to four year period to 
build a competitive team, to rebrand the organization, to get things back to a winning way. Now, I don't think anyone was under the assumptions that a team around Vooch, Demar, and Zach was ever going to win their title. But what it was meant to do was to be put together multiple competitive seasons to to make Chicago a destination again, whereby when you come out this thing again in 2024 or 2025, whatever it might be, rather than talking about a rebuild, you're talking about can the Bulls be a sleeping giant? Can the Bulls be a destination for ex-free agent, whoever that might be, to go to that team and to propel the Bulls back up towards the Eastern Conference? So this period of time was meant to be the foundation and then the next iteration of teams were meant to be built off of that. That was the plan. Now, what's happening here is we found out that this foundation is very shaky. And in fact, maybe it makes more sense to reset, rebuild, whatever it might be, but recreate a new foundation. Now, that's what they probably should be doing. But in order to do that, it changes your entire three, five, 10 year strategy. And if they're not willing to change that strategic uh, you know, map that they have in their mind or that they've, they've mapped out somewhere whereby that they, they had these certain plans in 2025 or 27 or whatever it might be, I'm, I'm, I'm giving them the credit to, to assume they've actually thought this far in advance. Maybe I'm wrong in doing so. But assuming they've thought that far, that far out and have put a strategy in place around that, rebuilding in 24 or 25 completely changes what their initial strategy was going to be. And like I said, maybe they should do that, but I'm not the one building out that strategy. Obviously, it was AK, it was Mark Eversley, it was ownership. And if they're not prepared to move off that strategy or take the L on that previous strategy that they put in place and re reconfigure that, then that's why things don't start now, why why a rebuild doesn't happen and you know why it won't commence a year earlier. So I think... It's a simple premise, but when there's you know wider strategic uh, initiatives behind it, and those people behind it are still there, still want to implement these things, and maybe don't want to relent on their initial image or strategy of what the team should or shouldn't be, then that's where it gets more difficult and complex. Even if we think the uh, the, the decision should be simple, yeah, and that's a good point and well taken. But I think those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Like you can reset and have a new plan while also accumulating assets because if the new plan was to like bring in some start free agent in 2025 because all of a sudden Damar was going to be off your books and you have all this space then why not move him a year early get get in another young player um or draft picks or both and then create and and have still the space to bring be able to bring in a star because you look at teams like the magic for example or you know, the jazz, like you can trade your guys and still be fun and young and a sleeping giant um, or some, you know, watered down variation of it, but still be in a position to go make a big move. And I think that's where fans get a little um, squirmish and probably ownership as well, because they did such a poor job creating that sleeping giant, you know, team the first time around they really had to go come out swinging and like hit a bunch of home runs with all the free agent and trades that they made in the summer of 2021. Um, so I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I think you can still be set up nicely if you've got Zach and Kobe and Patrick and Dalen and maybe a couple other picks coming in 
and um, you know the foundation for you've seen what Vujin, Damar, and Zach can do. Like this team can be good. Let's bring in some more talent. I think that still exists, even if you trade one of those guys and you kind of use a, a year here to to take a step back and start to reaccumulate. Because again, if you don't do that, you're just in the same position, but without the assets. Because you, Damar would be gone anyway. Yes, you're definitely right, and I don't disagree with anything you've noted there, but the framing of that is a for who's perspective. Now, ideally, you would hope that those running the thing would have that level of objectivity, but I guess what I'm saying is, do we think that those who are at the helm of this, who invested time and their own energy and their strategic thinking of this, would be prepared to be as objective about it as maybe what we are? Now, But I think... I. I I just want to say like, Mm. there's a difference between starting two years early and starting one year early. I think that's an easier pill to swallow. Whereas like if I'm AK and I've told Jerry that like my plan is to through the 2024 season, create this thing. And in 2024, we'll have space off the books. We'll be established. We won't be a laughing stock, all this stuff. And then we'll be able to go out and make the next step. Like there's a difference between kickstarting that one year in advance versus two. I think that's a lot more palatable. But anyway, proceed. But but to that point as well, like if that involves trading Demar this offseason, potentially trading Vooch, or if you can't do a sign and trade, letting him walk, and then ultimately you're left with Zach, Kobe, Pat, and not much else, then you're back effectively back to where you were two or three years ago, which at that point you are signaling this didn't work. We're taking the L here. And I'm not sure if AK wants to take that L, even if he maybe should be thinking that way. It ultimately acknowledges, or he he needs to acknowledge, and not only he, ownership need to acknowledge that they got this wrong. In addition to the four to five year period that they got wrong after the Jimmy Butler after the Jimmy Butler trade, so it would effectively be a six, seven, eight year window where they've just gotten everything wrong in in, in large degrees. So, are they prepared to own that now? Going a year early, like doing it this off season, as an example. Uh, that would be an admission of fault or admission that this didn't work out like we wanted it to. And that, you know, it takes some level of objectivity, but also takes some level of courage and, you know, willingness to do the right thing to do that. But like I said before, like the planning around 2023, 24, 25, whatever year period, that was meant to be for taking the next step up. What we're effectively asking them to do is to actually take another step down to where you are currently are. So we that dramatically changes your timeline. Now, that's what they should be thinking regardless. I, I don't, I'm don't. i definitely not disagreeing that or I'm not laying out a plan here where I think they should be running it back and all that sort of stuff. All I'm saying is it just takes ownership and management. Uh, it takes them to, to, I guess, to pivot. Now, are they prepared to, to pivot? I just don't have any confidence that they're willing to do that because of you know, a whole bunch of reasons. But ultimately, they're, they're the ones that laid laid down the, the the path, they've laid down the strategy. And I think when people do that, they they wed themselves to that because ultimately their identity, their their jobs, everything is sort of mapped to that plan. So I just don't see them pivoting from it. Yeah, but I think coming back to the first sort of topic of the day, which is mm-hmm. seeing all these other teams in the playoffs either succeed or fail, but still at the end of the day, recognizing that they need to improve I don't think you can, as an organization, sit here and just think that you don't need to improve. Um, Maybe they think they can improve in other ways and that roster 
reconstruction isn't one of them. Obviously, we, we would agree that they're wrong in that assessment, but the Bulls obviously are going to try to improve um, or not, you know, and maybe that improvement comes down the line instead of like t- today or tomorrow. Um, but I just, I think as we move through these playoffs and sort of see what the actual competitive landscape is, I think you do kind of have to check your ego, your plan, your confidence in your plan and reassess. And I think that's what the offseason is about. Um, as moves start to be made around the rest of the league, it's going to get really interesting. Um, obviously, as we talked about, like the cap is going to affect that. The new CBA is going to affect that. But um, to me, I view this as like more of an opportunity than a setback because if the plan was to reestablish and reset in 2025, I think you're positioned well to do that if you can accumulate assets. And obviously it wouldn't be on the same timeline that they had planned, but if you're not adapting to your surroundings, if you're not, um, if, if you don't have the self-awareness to be able to adjust um, or the ability to execute on those adjustments, then I just think you're kind of not doing your job. 100% agree. 100% agree. But I'll come back to AK's end of season presser and a question you out you asked him and how, uh, you know, what segment of the season that would be focusing, whether it was the final 23 games with our 14 and 9, and, you know, do they think that is the true representation of themselves or was it the previous 59 games where there were clearly several games below 500 and just weren't a very good basketball team? So the question comes, which team do you, AK, Mark Eversley, ownership, which team or which iteration of team from the last from the last season do you believe in? Is it the team that you saw in the final 23 games or the team that you saw in the first 59 games? That determines their next steps. Now, based on everything that AK has said, he believes in that final 23-game sample. Now, if that's the case, then he's going to continue believing in his three, four, five, ten-year plan, whatever that might look like. So, yeah, I, that, that's where I come back to it. I completely agree with everything you've noted, but I, it just based on everything they've said, they just sound very wedded to what their initial thinking was and that they can turn this thing around um, and they're not viewing it as an opportunity. And he made very clear that they're not viewing a rebuild as a possible opportunity. So maybe maybe that's just all words. Maybe his actions in a couple months' time will prove different, but based on everything that has been noted to this point in time, I can't imagine something holistic happening where all right, maybe you sell DeMar, you trade DeMar, but are you, are you trading DeMar for picks? And this is something I brought up in the past. We're all assuming a DeMar trade means trading DeMar for younger guys and picks. But trading DeMar could be, let's get in some ready-made role guys who are 28, 30 years of age, whatever it might be, who can help us continue to be a 41, 42-win team. So, yeah, and I, yeah. I doubt selling DeMar for role guys is going to be like the addition by subtraction that it was for the Lakers. Um, no, like, but, yeah. is there a world where you move on from tomorrow and somehow get better? I kind of doubt it, but you know, whatever. Um, I, I agree with you. I think it is, um, maybe unlikely, but I think as the playoffs go on and sort of rumblings come out from these, the combine and things like that, that maybe there is some, um, some thought to not necessarily a rebuild i think 
uh, a retool makes a lot more sense. And I think that would still position you to be able to do that sort of next era of the same sort of thing that they're building now more so than a, a total teardown. Um, because I think those two things would totally clash, but it's interesting. And I think we'll, we'll have to see, but, um, yeah, I, I do think that sort of the opportunities, especially now where the rest of the league is going and what we're seeing from the rest of the league, those opportunities are going to have to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's all good and fair to point it out. And uh, I guess the good thing for us is we're getting closer to understanding what the uh, what the plan will be. Uh, we're obviously talking hypotheticals. We're making speculative or informed speculative conversation at least, at least that's what i'm hoping we're doing and i'm hoping people are enjoying that but uh in four weeks time the draft will be here whether the bulls do something on the draft now whether it's acquiring a pick or making one of these big landscaping changing types of deals that we've talked about whether it's trading levine or demar like doing that on a draft night is a possibility and if it's not on draft night then in five weeks time free agency starts so uh we're getting closer to understanding what this all means and it will be less about um, theorizing and more probably reacting to actually what's going to happen. So I guess that's the upside here, William, that um, we won't be doing as many podcasts wondering what the hell is actually going to be happening. We've still got four or five to go, but we're getting closer to understanding what, what will actually happening, which is going to be fascinating no matter what it is, whether it's a complete de- tear down or rebuild, which would be something AK hasn't committed to before. That would be interesting. And obviously, Maybe less interesting, but certainly a talking point would be if they run it all back. But uh, in four to five weeks' time, we'll definitely have our answer. So, our friends, be on the lookout, obviously, for all your CHGO Bulls podcasts that come through, whether it's on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, whatever it might be. We've got you hooked up on all your Bulls content. Uh, Williams on Twitter, at Will underscore Gottlieb. I'm always writing stuff on the website, allchdo.com. We're going to have, obviously, uh, a ton more com- a content coming through as we get closer to the draft. If you're not a diehard already and you don't have access to William's database of all the prospects in this draft, then what the hell are you doing? Uh, change that. Become a CHGO diehard. Get access to that amazing database, but all the other offers and uh, benefits that we give our diehards. So certainly do that. Um, I'm on Twitter at mkhoops. You can follow the show on Twitter too at chgo underscore balls. Matt, Dave, and William will be back on Monday. And uh, HQ will be back on Friday next week as well. So uh, get all your ball stuff here at chgo balls. We'll be back, like I said, on Friday. We'll speak then, Bulls fans. And um, hopefully, got something a little bit different to talk about by then. Time will tell. Okay.